Welcome to MH Business Exchange. I'm your host, Mike Witzke, and with me today are Mark Carmel and Owen Quinn, both from our Chicago office. Uh, Owen and Mark have just published two articles addressing how bankruptcy can affect uh, two specific situations in the construction industry, uh, specifically you know, what happens when the general contractor files for bankruptcy, and second, what happens when the project owner files. So Mark and Owen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having Thank me, you. Mike. So, guys, today we're going to talk about the intersection, I guess, of bankruptcy and the construction industry. So why do players in the construction industry need to know how a bankruptcy might affect their projects and, I guess, them specifically? Well, the construction industry as a whole was really booming last year and even up until March of this year. Um, There was a lot of work out there. A lot of people were exchanging contracts. Um, very little litigation, very little disputes. Um, I know for a lot of contractors, they had so much work that they uh, weren't able to get it completed. There was a lack of tradespeople out there. I know here in Illinois, um, the unions were making a big push for the trade schools to get more people in there. And here in Chicago, you would look north of the river and you would see nothing but cranes. And I know at some of our offices, like Miami, uh, the same thing. You would look out and see all the stuff going on. However, um, you know, with what happened in March and the pandemic, um, things started to slow down. There was certainly a lot of uncertainty and fear out there, and everyone assumed that the construction industry was going to be, you know, severely impacted, just like everybody else, and it turned out not so much. In fact, um, the industry wasn't crushed. A lot of Clients were able to continue to do work, especially if they had work outside. A lot of clients who were doing work on um, road work, bridge work, were able to complete what they were doing. Um, But now there are projects that are set to begin that have been shelved because of the uncertainty or projects that are half completed and the lenders are tightening their purse. So um, people in the industry need to be aware that this might impact them uh, in the next six months to a year. And, and Mike, this is Mark. As Owen was talking about, there's obviously the impact of COVID, but this is coming on the heels of a couple of other um, factors, some related to COVID and some not related to COVID. So one um, is the fact that COVID came um, at a time where we were in a essentially more than 10-year economic expansion dating back to 08, 09, and a little bit depends how you kind of calculate the start, but the bottom line is it's been more than 10 years. In general, um, economies work in cycles, and the reason for that is as the economy is strong for so long, people start to green light projects that may not be able to be self-sustaining with the expectation that the economy is going to grow forever and that doesn't happen. The other thing is as you think about how COVID is affecting our lives in the short term, we start to think about the extent to which it will affect our lives in the long term. So if you look around almost any downtown around the country, um, it's incredibly slow. And so, you know, there's definitely going to be dislocation and changes in the construction industry. Um, How it affects real estate, people don't know exactly um, for obvious reasons because we've never been in a world where we went from pandemic to non-pandemic life. But it may very well be that there's less activity in downtowns. Maybe there's more activity in the suburbs, um, and it will also change the housing market. So um, we've got some short-term effects 
from COVID and the economy, some of which are independent, some of which are dependent on each other, and we have potential changes in the way people live, and that certainly affects the and will affect the construction industry. Well, with all of that going on, between COVID, the economy, everything else, are there potential bankruptcies looming? I certainly think um, people should be concerned out there. Um, the key to getting any project done is going to be money. Um, the contractors need to get paid, subcontractors need to get paid, suppliers need to get paid. And, you know, exactly what Mark said, right now you have an environment where um, people may be leaving the city, moving out to the suburbs. And these lenders who are financing these projects, maybe they don't want to be putting all this money into this big apartment complex or condo development that's going downtown. Um, for any of the places that are building up big commercial spaces um, in the downtown area, suddenly we have people who are working from home. Are those really projects that are going to get completed or need to get completed? And lenders are tightening up the purse strings. Um, they recognize that they don't want to be financing some of these projects if at the end of the day they're going to be vacant. And they're also being much more stringent with regards to the terms of their contracts, their loans, that they are requiring um, general contractors and owners and developers to jump through hoops that maybe a year ago they definitely wouldn't require. They need to ensure that um, their best interests are protected just like anybody else's. Uh, for example, right now we're involved in a piece of litigation involving a school that was built in a prime piece of real estate here in Chicago. Um, it was Phase one was completed, no problem. And then since this, um, phase two of this school has been basically shut down and they're having some significant problems getting lending. And one has to assume that it's because this private school, um, this lender assumes this private school maybe isn't going to be filled up as much because it's in the downtown area, that a lot of the high net worth individuals who will be sending their kids to this school may be moving out somewhere else. So you certainly see the trickle and probably maybe even a wave of issues coming pretty soon. Yeah, what we've seen so far in the economy has been a lot of very large companies have filed for bankruptcy in the first six months of the year, first eight months of the year. And so if you look at the statistics of companies over a um, billion dollars or maybe even $500 million of debt, um, you've seen a lot of um, high numbers relative to the last um, decade. What we expect going forward is for that to potentially continue, but for it to also um, seep into smaller companies and middle market companies. And the reason for that is that some of these big companies were on the precipice of needing to restructure even before um, COVID and even before the current economic downturn. And so this just was the straw that broke the camel's back. At the same time, there were a lot of reasons that kept the small and mid-sized companies from needing to restructure in a formal process, including some of the government programs, including the PPP, um, the ability for these companies to draw on outstanding lines of credit, and the ability for the companies to shrink and essentially put their business on pause and slow down the expenses and the cash going out the door. We expect that in the third quarter and certainly in the fourth quarter, for some of that to change, right now we don't have new money um, coming from government programs flowing through the economy. We don't have the $600 of unemployment 
that was of excess unemployment um, supported by the federal government. We have banks that are taking stock of their situation. They had some time to address their worst credits and now may be thinking about addressing kind of the next level um, of credits in terms of things that maybe weren't in emergency but were becoming urgent and will become more urgent. So we expect in the future, and we're not trying to predict how the economic cycle works because that's too difficult, but we do expect at some time in the future for there to be, whether it's bankruptcies or some other formal process, we do expect there to be restructurings. And certainly for the reasons we've highlighted, those will happen in the construction industry among other industries. So for those contractors who've contacted you regarding bankruptcies, what would you say is the one issue that they're most surprised by? Well, I think most of them know the basics. Uh, when we speak to someone about a bankruptcy, they understand about the automatic stay. You know, hey, I can't sue this person, or if I've already sued it, where um, at least there's going to be a stay in place uh, until we can get a relief from the bankruptcy court. They also understand the whole proof of claim process. They understand that I need to make a claim, and there's certain priority, and certain ones are paid out, um, and receive a greater amount than other people will. The one that they are always amazed by is that in certain situations, they're going to have to continue to do the work on the project. Um, their logic being, hey, if I know this entity is bankrupt and I know that I'm not going to be paid 100% on the dollar, why in God's name am I going to continue to do the work on there? And, you know, in a lot of situations, you're required to per the bankruptcy code. And this is the one that they are really thrown for a loop because they always point to their contract that says, hey, I have a provision in here that says if someone files for bankruptcy, they're in default and I don't have to continue to do the work. And lo and behold, that isn't enforceable uh, in the bankruptcy courts. In, in some ways, Owen is being humble here because he's done a great job of educating our construction clients about all the different um, hoops they have to jump through, all the bells and whistles they need to um, be focused on, and they've dotted the I's and crossed the T's. So he's done a lot of good work in educating folks that in a, the event of a bankruptcy, there's a lot of rules that apply to them as a contract um, party in the construction industry that's dealing with a bankrupt company. Um, he's absolutely right that a lot of times, while people think that they can enforce their contract and stop performing, that they actually, um, under the law, have to continue performing. But it, with most things, the devil is in the details. Um, and you know, we, we help our clients by looking at their contracts, see what they can do and what they can't do, and figure out where they may have leverage to either get paid on account of the work they've done previously, as well as put themselves in the best position to get paid on a going forward basis. Um, but certainly the bankruptcy law is focused on rehabilitating or restructuring the debtor entity that filed for bankruptcy. And the bankruptcy court's chief concern is thinking about how to support the survival of that entity and maximize its value. And so this typically leads to results that may not be intuitive um, to a business person. And that's where we can be helpful. Well, I think if I'm a contractor who's concerned about getting paid on a job because of a bankruptcy that's involved. Um, I know the last thing I want to do is, is incur legal fees, right? But when should I be reaching out to counsel? When, when should they make that call to the attorney to say there's a problem? 
I think the sooner the better. Once you get an inkling that there's going to be a problem, um, reach out just to even talk it through with someone. As I say to not only my construction clients, but other clients, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. There's nothing more frustrating than if you come back and speak to us after some time has passed and a deadline has been blown or, you know, you have to say, oh, I wish I had spoken to you earlier. Um, for example, you know, a lot of them know, like we said, about the automatic stays that in place, but in a lot of states that doesn't impact, you know, them filing their lien, that those um, statutory deadlines continue to run and there's nothing worse than finding out later, hey, I thought I didn't have to do this, but in fact I did. And there's also, as Mark has alluded to, so many different deadlines and a very complex bankruptcy code that you're going to need some guidance through to ensure that you are in the best position at the end of the day um, to recoup as much as you can and make yourself whole, potentially. Yeah, um, Mike, this is the intersection of a lot of different laws. So you've got um, construction law, and there's also construction contracts that could impact this. Um, if the process is bankruptcy, you've got bankruptcy law. Sometimes a restructuring is pursued through other processes, which we'll talk about um, next. But each of those processes have different dates and different deadlines. Um, we've got the contractual rights of the different parties, um, and particularly in construction, where you've got contractors and subcontractors and sometimes sub-subcontractors there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of ways in which a particular party's rights may be affected. And we have no problem counseling a cl client and saying, look, you're too early. It's premature for us to be helping you. Here are the warning signs that you should be looking out for, and here's the time for you to be reaching out to us. But we much more frequently see situations where we explain to people, had they reached out to us earlier, these were the rights that they could have um, pursued to protect themselves. And so, as Owen said, the earlier the better. And while people shy away from incurring expenses, we look at it frequently as we're not an expense, but we're an investment. And the return on the investment in terms of protecting liens and getting paid a higher amount of money um, is something that our clients appreciate. And Mark, you alluded to the fact that not all of these distress situations are going to end up in, in bankruptcy court. So you know, what situations are there outside of a bankruptcy filing where you know construction folks should be reaching out to counsel? Mike, you're right. There are a lot of different processes, and bankruptcy is only one option. And in fact, bankruptcy is, in some ways, for a restructuring company, is their strongest weapon. It's almost like the nuclear um, bomb in an arsenal where there are a lot of other alternatives. And when we're counseling distressed companies, we look at bankruptcy as the last option because it's the most powerful weapon. Um, it, there's some significant downsides to it. There are also some significant upsides. And for the right situation, bankruptcy is right. But there's a lot of situations where you can use a smaller tool with more precision um, that is better for the company. But some of the other things that someone may confront on one extreme, a distressed company may just be pursuing an out-of-court restructuring where the company is distressed 
they know that either their operations are in trouble or financially they're in trouble and they may not be able to pay all their creditors. And they reach out to the folks that they owe the most amount of money to and they try to just get negotiated resolutions. They oftentimes also pursue state court remedies. One such option is what they call an assignment for the benefit of creditors where the distressed company basically finds a third party and hands over the company to that third party to liquidate the assets and pay off creditors. And then, of course, as we talked about, there's a voluntary bankruptcy where the company goes into federal um, bankruptcy court and gets the protection of a federal bankruptcy court order and a federal bankruptcy process. There's also processes that creditors or other parties can pursue if they think a company that they're working with either would benefit from oversight or some of the tools that the law gives them would encourage the or allow the creditor to get paid more than they would if they didn't do anything. So that includes um, receiverships, that's situations where either a state court judge or a federal court judge can be overseeing a process. Sometimes the receiver continues to run the company, sometimes they liquidate it. Um, there's a foreclosure process and different states have different processes, but sometimes that's a judicial process, sometimes that's a non-judicial process, and that even varies between whether you're dealing with personal property um, or real property. Um, and then there's also the involuntary bankruptcy option that creditors can pursue, which is basically the creditors putting the company under federal court protection. The bottom line here is there's a lot of different alternatives. Each one of them has different rules leading to different results, and each one of them give parties different amount of leverage and different options to try to effectuate what is most protective of them to maximize their recovery from the situation. And then um, there's also obviously through any of these um, processes, one of the remedies that a party in the construction industry may have relates to liens that they could file um, to essentially change their status from being an unsecured creditor to being a secured creditor. And that whole process has um, dates and deadlines and is also potentially affected by the formal process that a construction party may be going through. I know we just kind of spewed a lot of rules, dates, deadlines. Um, the bottom line is um, there's sometimes a labyrinth of situation that the creditors or construction counterparties have to go through. And it may sound like a lot and it may be confusing and sometimes it is, um, but um, Owen and I frequently team up and are essentially the guides to our clients where Owen is explaining all the construction law, I'm explaining all the bankruptcy law, and the two of us have worked together enough to know um, how to work together in a productive manner. Our underlying goal at the end of the day is to make sure they're in the best position um, when everything is said and done. Um, you know, like exactly like Mark said, there's so many different processes out there and there's so many different deadlines. Just to add even a, another one on, you know, there's a lot of time performance and payment bonds that may be in place that you can make claims on. So the, people in the industry need to be aware of it. And in the past, a lot of people, when they were dealing with um, you know, trades that they had worked with and contractors they had worked with and had a long history, they would kind of say, hey, don't worry, I'll get you on the next deal. I think in this environment, there may not be a next deal. So 
people have to realize that and put themselves in the best position for their company. And a lot of times, you know, a conversation with us can lead you in that, you know, direct path. Well, Mark and Owen, I'm going to thank you for sharing what is really some timely information. And if listeners want more content, you know, please go to our website, mcdonaldhopkins.com, where you'll find more on this topic as well as many others. So, again, thanks both of you, and uh, thank you all for listening.